Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be with you, and I don't know about you, but I believe that God has already spoken through the songs we have sung. Amen? It is so good to be with you, and I say this often, but I have to, I have to just say it again, because as I reflect each week, what a privilege it is. What a privilege it is to truly join with you in pursuit of and in the presence of God. Amen? It's a gift that God's given us. And I am so grateful that we took the opportunity this day to gather. And, and so I just want to thank you for that. And I want to welcome all of you here to The Way Woodstock. For those that may be here for the first time or those listening in for the first time, we want to say thank you for joining with us today. And want you to know that you're always welcome to this move of God, this Methodist movement called The Way Woodstock, where we're committed to what? Sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. You know, it's been said that if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. You ever heard that? If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. And as I was reflecting on that and agreed with that statement earlier this week, I began to ask myself, so where am I going? I want to ask you, where are you going? Where are we heading? You know, the writer of Proverbs wrote in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Maybe, you know, the King James Version is a little better. Where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. You know, those are wise words, not just in the day in which they were written, but they're wise words for us today as well. And so as we continue in this series of Made for More. As we continue to dig in and discover our God-given gifts and our God-ordained calling, because God's called each of us, God's called all of us, I want to invite you to join with me as we dig in a little bit more. What does it mean to live with purpose, a life with vision, and not just any vision, but a godly vision, a God-inspired, spirit-informed, spirit-infused vision for our life. And to do that, I want us to turn to the book of Acts, where Paul is sharing a little bit of the vision that God's imparted on him for his life in the next chapter of his life. So turn with me to chapter 20 from the book of Acts, where Luke captures Paul writing this, and he's writing it to a group of people in Ephesus. And he says this beginning in the 22nd verse. And now compelled by the Spirit, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. But knowing what will happen, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me this morning? Almighty God, I thank you. Thank you once again for the privilege to gather here. And God, I know that there are those not able to be here today because they are tending to loved ones in the final chapter of their life. And so God, I pray a special blessing over them and others that are struggling today. God, I pray that you would be with those there as well as those of us here and those that are gathered online as we continue in worship, that we would be a generation that seeks after you, as we just sang. And, and as Zach prayed, I pray that we would um, know that you invite us to bring all of us, all of our questions and our doubts and our fears here. We don't 
have to necessarily check them at the door, but that you want to speak in and through and over those so that we might hear from you anew today. And so, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, speak in us. Speak through us. Speak to our hearts today. Speak to the depth of what we need to hear from you today. So, Lord, may the the meditations of our hearts and minds, and may the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And the church said, Amen. 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 Survey time. So let me just ask you a few questions as we start this morning. How many of you would love to end up one day physically fit? I know I'd like to get there. I mean, the COVID-19 has been 19 on me. I'd, I'd, I'd like to get there one day. How many of you would like to not only be debt-free, but financial-free to be able to give generously and lavishly to wherever God is prompting you to give? Maybe those of you that aren't married yet, how many of you would love to be married one day to in an interrelationship that's thriving, that's intimate, and that is Christ-centered? And how many of us here today would love to be so close to God that we know that we're pleasing God in everything we're saying, everything we're thinking, everything we're doing, and not only just for this day, but one day we would hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You see, the truth is, is that we all can end up in those places, but none of us will end up there by accident. We won't stumble across those things. I love the way that Craig Groeschel, a writer and a fellow pastor, puts it. Everyone ends up somewhere, but not everyone ends up somewhere with purpose. Do you agree with that? Everyone ends up somewhere, but not everyone ends up somewhere with purpose. Proverbs 2019, 18 kind of rings back to me in that. Where there's no revelation, where there's no vision, the people perish. People cast off restraints. You know, if you dig into the Hebrew of that proverb, that, that word that we see is vision or revelation. It, it, the Greek, or not the Greek, the Hebrew pronunciation is chazon. Can you say that with me? Chazon. You got to get guttural with me. Uh, chazon. Almost like you're coughing on someone, but don't cough on anybody, all right? And, and it's not to be mistaken for a cajon like Jack would want to beat on up here or a calzone that my wife and I would like to split a mellow mushroom. No, we're talking about chazon. Kazon, we're talking about vision, dream, revelation. And this is something that God uses throughout all of the Old Testament. We see it some 35 times as it relates to revelation, to, to dreams, to vision that God has for people, ordinary people. People like Moses, people like David, people like Esther, people like Nehemiah, and yes, even in the New Testament, people like Paul. Ordinary people that went on to do extraordinary things. Why and how? Because they listened in and they leaned in and they pursued after a kazone. God's vision, God's revelation for their lives. And I got news for you today. God can do the same for you. God wants to speak to us today. God has a kazone for you and for me and for all of us. Can I get an amen to that? So how do we go about discovering that? What does that look like? How do we discover what what this is that God has for your life and for my life in this next chapter of our lives. I think we can look to this passage that we looked at today because what we see in Paul sharing a vision, a kazone that he has that God's inspired him to, it's a pattern. You can look at Moses' life or Esther's life or Paul's life and you see kind of a recurring pattern of fourfold movement of discovering and leaning into and pursuing after 
a chazon, a vision that God has for us. So let me zoom back for a minute on this text and give a little context to it. I mentioned to you that Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. He's speaking to them in what Luke captured in Acts 20 that we just read. This is a place where Paul has set down roots, and he has lived in and loved on this community called Ephesus. He's helped plant churches there. He's helped build up a leadership group there. He, he has cried with them. He has laughed with them. He celebrated birthday parties and birth announcements and all of these things with these people in Ephesus. And yet what he is sensing is that God is calling him to uproot from there and to go somewhere else, to do something different to move on from where he is. And the truth of the matter is, is that God's calling some of us. Perhaps he's calling you today to do something different, to do something better, to do something bigger. A chazon. And the truth of the matter is, if that's you, God's calling you to say goodbye to where you are, to leave your comfort zone. How many of y'all like your comfort zone? You know, we all like our comfort zone, right? And take that step of faith. To a place totally unknown, but that God knows and God is calling you to. I've been there. Any of y'all been there? Y'all know part of my story, being called as a pastor at 14 and running for 20 years before answering that call. I've been there. So what does it mean to live into this zone? How do we discover, how do we know that this is God prompting you to take that next step? to step into that new chapter, to, to move in a particular direction, to pursue after that lion as we talked about last week. How do you know that? Well, let me give you a fourfold movement that we see in this text. And, and the first is this. The, one, the first thing you can tell, if you want to discern whether it's God speaking to you or not, is that it's going to be the Spirit's prompting. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little hungry. And when I get hungry, I start having visions of food. Any of y'all like that? That's my stomach talking. That's not God talking, right? The first thing you can tell when it's a God-sized vision is that it's a spirit prompting. Listen to what Paul writes and what he's sharing with those in Ephesus. With a heavy heart, knowing that he's about to be uprooted, he says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. In other words, Paul's saying, this isn't my idea, this isn't my wish, this isn't what I would have dreamed for myself, but the Spirit is compelling me, it's drawing me toward, I can't think any other way other than this because the Spirit is prompting me to do this. And if you dig into the Greek, if you get a little geeky with me, you get into the Greek there, you'll notice that there are two root words there in the Greek, one being deo and in the Greek meaning compelled. But also a broader meaning is to be bound or wrapped up, and then pneuma, spirit, wind, God breathed, right? And so this day of pneuma is being compelled, wound up, bound up by the spirit, by the spirit of God. Any of y'all have a bound up, wound up moment of spirit where the spirit's just compelling you to press in, to do something, maybe to pray for that cash register person across from you at the checkout aisle, or, or maybe to, to go over across the aisle in school and, ch- and speak to someone that's not like you, or, or whatever it is. It's, it could be something that seems small, but yet is not. But it's nonetheless something where you have a Deo Numa moment, where you're compelled by. You're compelled by the Spirit of God. You see, the truth of the matter is, I think many of you have had that moment, like I have, And if you haven't, my prayer all this week has been that you would. In fact, I pray today God would disrupt, would disturb, would would uproot in each of us a sense of hunger 
to be compelled by the Spirit to move in a way that God is calling us to. Anyone been there? Some of y'all maybe are there this morning. Well, if you've been there, if you sense that the Spirit is moving you, compelling you, prompting you to move in a certain direction, what you'll probably find is that the next kind of thing that you come across is, is that there's this place, and I want to call it certain uncertainty. Write that down. Spirit's prompting is the first thing you might experience. And then the very next thing you're probably going to experience is a a level of certain uncertainty. You know God is calling you, but you're uncertain as to what that next step might be or what it might look like if you lived into that. Any of y'all been there? This is what Paul's writing. He says, I'm compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem. But listen to what he says next. Not knowing what will happen to me there. Not knowing. How many of y'all are a little OCD in here? We've got some project managers in here. Any of y'all like to map things out on a spreadsheet, plan things out? We've got some planners in here. If that's you, that idea of not knowing probably just rolls, just messes with your mess, right? You just can't deal with that. Well, that's the reality sometimes of what happens. When God, through the Spirit, compels you to take a step forward is that you recognize that there are some steps where you're uncertain about what they mean for you and what it would require for you. And if you're like me, you want the details. You not only want to know what the end result is, but you want to know what step A, B, C, D, E, F, and G all the way down to Z times two is. Can I get an amen? Michael Carroll, can I get an amen to that? I'm going to call you out on that, right? But here's the deal. God often doesn't speak to us in that way. God often doesn't reveal to us all the steps. Oftentimes he just reveals the next step. Why? Because sometimes if we were to know all the details, we just might not take that prompting of the Holy Spirit. I can attest to that. Kristen can attest to that too. When we stepped into seminary, if we had known year four would have been unemployment and our kids were on the state health care plan, I'm pretty sure that both of us would have said, no, thank you. There's no way we could have seen ourselves getting through that step. We had to take that next step, just the next step, because I don't think we could have comprehended much less been able to endure what God was saying in the moment. And looking back, God was preparing us for that step by the steps that led up to it so that we could trust him in that season of uncertainty in our lives and for our family. And God blessed us richly. You see, God is calling you to take that next step. A certain uncertainty may stand before you and he's calling you to simply just walk by faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. I know what you're thinking. You want guarantees. We all want guarantees. And I can guarantee you this. God's not going to give you all the steps, but I can guarantee you he will be with you along the way in each and every step. He's just simply asking you to take the next step. Y'all remember that movie, What About Bob? You know, y'all watch that? Baby Steps? You know, he's just asking you to take the next step. In other words, do today what you can do so that you can do tomorrow what you cannot do today. Do today what you can do so that you can do tomorrow what you cannot do today. What's that step of faith? What's that that place of certain uncertainty that, that this prompting of this vision, this zone that God's impressing upon your heart is calling you to step into? Where is that? Because I can tell you, you know, once you step into that, once you take that step out of the boat, things get on easy street, right? You can walk on water, right? Wrong. Uh, Wrong. 
You know, Paul doesn't speak to, to things getting easier as he begins to step into this unknown that God is calling him to. Listen again to what he says. He says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. In other words, compelled by the Spirit, acknowledging that there's a certain uncertainty before you, when you begin to step into that, the next phase is predictable resistance. Predictable resistance. Paul knew everywhere he went that there was going to be resistance to what he was being called to do. And I got news for you and for me today. You have an enemy. I have an enemy that's going to want to disrupt, dissuade, cause doubt, and sow fear in your hearts and minds to disrupt you from the calling that God has on your life. It is a predictable resistance that we see time and time again throughout all of Scripture. Look at Moses, mumbling Moses that was called to deliver the Hebrew people. His kazon, yes, was met with a Pharaoh whose heart was hardened. Predictable resistance. David, a kazon of slaying the giant, went out there and he said, I can't wear the armor and all this, and yet he has a king and an army is laughing at him saying, you're too small, you're too young, you can't do that. Predictable resistance. Many of you have probably been told, you can't do that. You're not smart enough. You're not old enough. You're, you're too old. You're not whatever it may be. Am I right? Predictable resistance. Nehemiah, after Babylon had, had conquered, been conquered, he has a kazone to go back and rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the walls, and rebuild the community. And Sanballat and Tobiah stand in the way between him and that burden that God's put on his heart predictable resistance. What about you? What is it that God's calling you to? Because when you begin to take that step into certain uncertainty, there's going to be predictable resistance. And I got news for you. You begin to take that step of faith, all hell can break loose. Literally all hell can break loose. I can remember when Chris and I were in a small group several years ago, we were convicted. The Spirit of God was compelling us that while we gave generously, we always gave as leftovers. It was what we had left over rather than our first fruits. And we felt compelled. This was a season where, where God was saying, put the first 10%. Trust me in this. Put the first 10% of everything you earn back into the kingdom work. And we went cold turkey. 10% of everything we earned first, first out the door. Guess what happened that year? A drought hit. I served in the nursery and landscape business. It crippled the industry. 25% of my pay evaporated overnight. And then the market crashed. Y'all remember 2008? And did that even further. And we were in the largest house, largest mortgage we've ever lived in. You see, when you begin to step into God's calling where that compelling of the Spirit is, guarantee you that there will be predictable resistance. There will be an enemy that will try to dissuade you, dissuade us in what we were experiencing in that season. If, if it's, think about it this way, if, if the vision for you is to get in shape, I guarantee you on your way to the gym, guess what? That neon hot sign at Krispy Kreme is going to be calling your name and you're going to be tempted to pull in. At least I would. Predictable resistance. How many of you, God is stirring in you something bigger, something better, something grander in this next chapter of your life? I imagine that God is speaking to many of us today. 
And he's calling us to step into that certain uncertainty, only there's something that's giving you cause for pause. And I want to say to you, press through it. Press through it. Press through that predictable resistance you have. Take that next step. Remember what Jesus said when he was about to go to the cross for you and I and for all of humanity. He was giving a kazone to his disciples to go and make disciples. And he said this, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for what? I have overcome the world and the one who lives in you is greater than the one who lives in the world. When you embrace Christ, the overcomer is within you and the overcomer goes with you wherever he is leading you in the vision that God has for your life, for your family, for this community. And when you begin to step into that, when you begin to press through that, when you begin to to pursue after the lion, as we talked about last week, know this, that you ultimately come to this ultimate phase, and this is where I think God would have us first being compelled by the Spirit, being confronted with a certain uncertainty. In in coming across predictable resistance, there's a fourth place that we come to, and it's called uncommon clarity. Uncommon clarity. That's what God would have you do and have you live out in your life. Listen to how Paul describes this as he continues to talk to them. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. In other words, Paul's saying, you can do anything to me. You can beat me up. You can throw me in jail. You can take my life. But I have a sense of clarity as to where God is calling me. This is my kazone. This is my vision. This is the lion that God is calling me. This is my somewhere with purpose that God's calling me to proclaim the good news of God's grace. And boy, did he ever do that. And we have his letters today. He not only participated in God's kingdom work in that day, but because of his letters, his life and the words that God inspired him to put to paper continue to impact and to change lives today as we encounter the living word that he encountered himself. Praise be to God for the kazon that Paul embraced, the uncertainty he faced, the resistance he overcame, and the clarity that came when he leaned in, when he pursued after what God was calling him to do. And I got news for you, so can you. So can you. And so as we close in our reflection, I just want to leave you with a few questions to wrestle with. And the first one is this, is where are you heading? Where are you heading? Are you seeking God's vision for your friendships, for your marriage, for your finances, for your future? Or are you leaving them to chance? Everyone ends up somewhere. But not everyone ends up somewhere with purpose. And one final question. What do you want your final chapter of life to say about you? What do you want your final chapter to say about you? Because here's the deal. That chapter still is yet to be written. No matter what you've done in the past, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter what regrets you have, no matter what burdens you carry, That chapter remains to be written. No matter what age you are, young and old alike, or young at heart, 
that chapter remains to be written. What do you want that final chapter of life to say about you? Because as I mentioned last week, the goal of life is not to end at, life, at day, death safely. Let me say that again. The goal of life is not to end at death safely. God did not send His one and only Son into the world to shed His blood, to take upon the cross your sins and my sins, your shame and my shame, your guilt and my guilt, and overcome sin and overcome death so that we might take a vacation at the end of life. He has more in store for us. He has more in store for you. He has more in store for me. He has a kazone. Say that with me. Kazone. He has a kazone for you and for me to live into in this life. You see, everyone ends up somewhere, but we can end up somewhere on purpose. And not just for an impact for today, but for an impact for all eternity. That's what we're called to as followers of Jesus Christ, is to make a kingdom impact in our lives and in the lives of others, in the lives of this community so I'll leave you with this. If you want to, to join in a pilot with Kazone, uh, Craig Rochelle wrote a book. You can order it if you want. But there's a five-week pilot that Alan's going to lead a group on Wednesdays. I'm going to lead a group on Saturday mornings, a guys group. But ladies, the groups that you're in can do the same thing. If you want to do this with others to explore just what is God calling you to in this next chapter of life, I encourage you to do it. We're going to start this week and, and unfold that over the next several weeks. But I hope that you will do that with me. But my prayer as we end our time of meditation today, and I want to invite the praise team up to go ahead and work their way up, is that you would take this moment, that we would not miss this moment in this time in worship to allow God to disrupt some things in you, to disturb you in a holy way. To seek what God has for you in this next chapter. And so I want to invite you to a moment of prayer before we come to the Lord's table and we celebrate there. And for those of you online, go ahead and grab some bread, grab some juice. We would love for you to join with us as we come to the Lord's table. But before we get there, I want us to take a time of prayer. I want to open the prayer rail up. You can stay in your seat, if you will. And there's a prayer that I came across, and it's from, believe it or not, back from the 1500s. But I think it's a prayer for our day. It's a prayer for where we are as a season of a church. It's a prayer for where we are as individuals and households. And so I invite you to just take a posture prayer. If you want to come to the rail, you can. I'm going to let the praise team play underneath this. But would you take these words to heart this morning? Let us pray. Disturb us, Lord, when we too well are too well pleased with ourselves. When our dreams have come true because we've dreamed too little. When we have arrived safely because we sail too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of a new heaven to dim. 
Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength and courage and hope and love. Disturb us, Lord. God, I pray that you would disturb us today. God, that you would speak to us because each and every one of us are going through hardships. Each and every one of us are finding resistance to where you are calling us. But God, you're calling us each to a brighter future. You're calling us to an uncommon clarity of purpose and singular focus in our lives to, to be kingdom participants. Not in the kingdom of the world, but in your kingdom, almighty God. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we pray that it be your kingdom that comes, not ours, God. We pray that we would have a singular focus as a church to reach the lost and to share with them the hope that's found in Christ Jesus and to help them to discover their God-given gifts and their God-ordained purpose. All for the sake of others. God, disturb in us, disrupt in us. Give us a sense of holy discontent. I pray that for myself. And I pray it for this church. That we wouldn't settle. That we would boldly chase the lion. The lion of Judah. Jesus Christ himself. God, that we would seek after. That we would listen. To where you're having us to go next. Each of us individually and as families and as a church God, I pray your favor upon each and every one within the sound of my voice this morning. God, that, that your peace, your supernatural peace would come upon each of us as we, we lean in. And that we don't settle for less than your best for us because we were made for more. Help us to live into that kazone that you have for us. Help us to, to join you in writing the next chapter of our life together. Because we know that you desire for us to have life abundant and life eternal. And to share that with all we meet. God, I ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And this church said, Amen. Amen.